0: So this has been uh, a tremendous uh, three-day conference uh, full of uh, unique content, unique insight uh, and foresight uh, regarding the maritime industry, its uh, direction and uh, risks, opportunities and challenges. We are coming to the close and uh, we always reserve for the closing of our conference, the analyst panel. Uh, where we bring the collective wisdom of Wall Street, uh, figuratively speaking, because we also have uh, analysts from uh, Norway. From, uh, so we bring the collective uh, wisdom of the best analysts uh, to, uh, to discuss how they see the industry going. And I would like to thank uh, Robert Bugmy for uh, being always the most skillful uh, moderator. So thank you to all. I will let uh, Robert take over and introduce each one of you and again, tremendous thanks for uh, your support, uh, help and participation.
1: Nicholas, thank you. And on behalf of everybody and everybody you know, in our industry, if I may, first I'd just like to thank you for you know really sort of helping to keep everybody together you know during all the COVID and even in the worst times holding conferences and chat rooms. So I just thought I'd like to say that from the start from all of us. So today we've got a great lineup for the analysts, a good mix, um, and a good mix of people who've uh, kind of seen bull markets before, a good mix of people who haven't, that's their first time through this, etc. and all the markets and different different views here. So I want to keep it fairly loose. It's their panel. Let them take this where it's going to go. Uh, I think I'm going to start with age before beauty. So Magnosphere, if you'd like to start off, what I'd like you to do is just just sort of chat a little bit about what any subject in shipping you want that's interesting you right now.
2: Well, thank you, Robert. Uh, I think it's been an interesting couple of days here. A lot of talk about, uh, you know, the uh, renewables. And, uh, and I don't think we talked much about, uh, you know, some of the good old uh, commodities uh, like crude coal and natural gas and I think uh, reading the headlines today in, in the in the press uh, you know we, we have an energy crisis that we sort of uh, create ourselves with moving too fast into uh, to renewables and uh, I think it's uh, setting up an interesting opportunity for uh, both uh, dry bulk and uh, crude and especially the crude market which's been lagging, behind uh, as far as stock performance that we haven't seen any improvement in, in spot rates so far but I think uh, in order to prevent oil prices to go above $100 dollars a barrel we need more oil on the market. I think that's pretty obvious and for some reason OPEC is sticking to their uh, you know tight uh, production schedule so uh, I think uh, going forward uh, I like the crude, crude crude tankers and the product tankers as a play on a recovery of OPEC production, and um, you know the uh, catalyst, uh, I think once we start, I mean, going back, I mean, supply has grown 5%, demand is not back to pre-COVID level, so there's a little bit of a growing pains here, but I think in 2022, we're going to see uh, markets improve, and I think the crude tankers and product tankers is going to come into the spotlight again.
1: Great, thank you. Now we're gonna go to beauty. Randy, we've seen the YouTubes. Let's uh, see the man, see the face and hear the opinions.
3: All right, I'll I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Thanks, uh, Robert. Um, So yeah, there's really a lot of positives to talk about, right, you're seeing size rates at 12 year highs, LNG rates ripping every day for the last few weeks. Uh, The containers, container ship market, uh, the best it's ever been, right? So I'll just keep my comments kind of real big picture before we dive into some of those individual sectors. But I think for the first time in, you know, uh, more than a decade, are we at a a good point on all three kind of legs of the shipping stool, right? Uh, The supply picture is very attractive. Order books are very low. You're going to see some accelerated scrapping and slow steaming with all of the regulatory uh, kind of uh, environmental regulations coming through in the next few years. So the supply picture is very attractive. Demand is also looking pretty stable, right? I think you can easily see a demand of GDP plus uh, for at least the next few years. So it's at 3%, 5%, 6%, Uh, it really depends on the subsector, but demand growth is going to outpace supply growth pretty much across the board for the next few years. And then finally, when you look at the individual companies and, and balance sheets, right? Especially on the dry bulk side, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of the tankers, uh, container ships, mm-hmm. and they're in the best position they've been in uh, arguably ever, right? And that's why you've seen these very large, mm-hmm. very generous dividend payout policies being enacted. Uh, we've seen that pretty much across the board in dry bulk. We've seen increased dividends around the containers, container ships, LNG carriers, and, and the like. So all that being said, it's not just, well, look at demand, it's great, but the order book's at 60% or just look at the supply side, but demand's terrible. Or you know, the, the companies have these stretched out balance sheets and, and CapEx and new build obligations uh, that's gonna really draw cash out for the next few years. That is not the case. And it's really the first time it's been this way in at least probably 15 years. So I'll stop there, but uh, certainly an exciting time to be in the shipping markets.
1: Thank you, Randy. I apologize for my dog. He just barks whenever someone gives a shout for the product market. So. It's all good. Uh, he he, he will he set him off. I, I don't think we need that right now. Uh, ben, uh, thank you very much for those pins. Ben, uh, please
4: go for it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's it's uh, you know all of our best interests probably on this panel and uh, and maybe anybody who's even dialed in to be optimistic on the market. Um, and uh, you know. I, but, and, and I am, to be perfectly clear, I think in most categories you, you've got to uh, like the, the setup that we're in right now. Uh, I, I think to sort of change course a little bit, um, you know, just uh, the, the last time that we were here or even close to it, well, uh, I, I suppose it was a lot crazier, but Magnus hired me a long time ago, a couple decades ago. And, and it was because we were in this sort of an environment where uh, where things were just going crazy, and uh, and capital raising, anybody with the foggiest idea of you know a, a shipping idea could raise money to do it. That is not the case now. There is some ability to raise capital, and we've seen that, but it's a very different world. And and um, uh, and to me, honestly, despite the fact that I'm an analyst and I'm supposed to have sort of a a, a perfect crystal ball, uh, it, it it does sort of cloud the picture a little bit, because ordinarily, these shipping cycles provide companies an opportunity to shoot themselves in the foot, um, and that might still be the case, but it certainly isn't as easy as it had been in previous cycles to do that, um, so, uh, yeah, although, again, it, 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 uh, it I, I hate to say it this way, but it, it sort of lessens the value of guys like us. But um, nonetheless, uh, it, it, it's an interesting world. I, I think it's exciting. It is, uh, you know, froth with opportunities, but challenges. And and um, uh, so good to good to have a seat at the moment. Thankful to be here.
2: That's great,
1: thank you, Ben. I mean, look, I think you pointed out a great point that you know in the past. Um, you know, it's been very simple. if Wall Street gives us children in shipping too many sweets, we were going we're gonna get sick, and normally Wall Street ends up cleaning up the mess. So I think that's a you know it's a great great observation from from what's happened before. Uh, Jurgen, let's uh, let's try you. Um, this must be your your first bull market, right? has to be.
5: Yeah, they tend to be uh, quite elusive. Uh, I've read about them for sure, so I'm uh, so happy to be part of one uh, this time around. Uh, if you want me to to point to one thing that, um, that I feel is quite interesting uh, on how things are developing right now, I, I'd... Uh, I'd have to point to the interest, and of course, that's probably favored by what you mentioned, <laughs> that uh, for a long time, uh, the interest in our space has been has been not too high, I guess. Uh, but um, my perception, at least speaking to a lot of investors these days, uh, new people that uh, haven't really had too much interest before, starting to see the potential of this, uh, this just going on and on. Uh, and I think some of the sectors that have really Kicked off and, and sparked this uh, this upcycle, uh, are the reason for that. Uh, and right now, people are scouting out where uh, where this is headed in all of these different sectors going forward. So, uh, to me, uh, that's at least um, one of the uh, one of the most interesting developments um, in in the current market. Um, and of course, that's a lot helped by uh, by what has been mentioned in terms of the order book being very limited and the potential right now seems extraordinary uh, in terms of uh, where we've been before.
4: I, I Thank would say, you. If, I, if I could, Robert, I'd just jump in course. Here. Of course. Of I, course. I would, I would say that that's true. Certainly interest is higher, but uh, Omar and Magnus can back me up. Like, th- this is nothing compared to the glory days. Uh, the phone would ring off the hook, um, so it's improved, but we've got a long way to go before we're
6: back to where we were. I, ben, I, I agree with that. We're uh, definitely much busier on the phone um, and, and getting a lot of inbounds. But it's it's not like it was, and still it doesn't compare to the floating storage frenzy I'd say from last you know April of 2020. I do have one follow up, Robert, if you, if I may, directed of towards course. Ben. Uh, ben, you I was I lost what you meant when you said it lessons. That, wait, wait, wait.
1: Uh, uh, oh Omar. Oh, oh, you you must keep this civil. There's no need to be in civil. <laughs>
6: oh, uh, it's not I, I, here. It's okay? not fun
4: if, if, if it's okay. all nice. Just, okay, go no, go for no, it, off, no problem. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I just wanted to ask Ben what he meant by uh, what was it specifically uh, that you're referring to that lessens uh, our value as analysts? Mm, Because
4: uh, Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So uh, I I think um, our value as analysts can oftentimes be when companies are trying to raise money and investors who are probably not as familiar with the space depend on the analyst to do some of the due diligence for them. And so when people aren't trying to raise money, uh, it's more opportunistic investing on the part of uh, of the buy side as opposed to, you know, just, just trying to keep up with the deal flow. That's a I think that's a politically correct way to answer. That, that that's question. fair.
6: Now, Ben, I, I appreciate that uh, clarity because I am sure everybody on this panel has done more calls with more generalist investors over the past several months than they have in the past several years, right? That there's just been a lot of it. And this morning I did a call explaining the lay of the land for tankers for somebody who hasn't looked at it before. Um, so I do feel that our value as analysts going into where we are in this market has become substantially higher because there isn't a lot of IQ on wall street that understands shipping. And this is something we do on a daily basis. Uh, you know, so, uh i think our, honestly our value has gone up i think tremendously uh based off of what's been going on
4: yeah just my yeah. two cents now i'm i am trying to convince my director of research that all the, time, <laughs>
1: all the time that's perfect
4: all right uh Lars,
1: let's yes. hear from you
7: yeah so i think um obviously Magnus already touched upon it but i think he, what's really going on in the energy markets. And I think uh, you look at uh, where sort of uh, inventory levels are uh, across uh, at least energy uh, commodities, but uh, commodities in general. And I think uh, we're seeing that in uh, the oil market now as well. Uh, maybe this is uh, a sort of a comeback for the old industry. Uh, and as uh, Jürgen said, I've, I've read about these things, but, but never experienced it. And, and uh, the fact that it's you know, so widespread is, is uh, simply thrilling, I would say. It's, it's a lot of fun now.
1: Great. So, okay, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna throw a couple of things out here. So, um anybody can sort of happy to pick this up but you know containers i I watched a program here yesterday actually on uh on the news just the 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 news here in the states where they're referring to all the queuing that there was in containers and all the uh the, the effort that biden's going to make to reduce the queuing and there was one of the united states top um economists krugman there making a comment and he simply said Well, we would expect, you know, shipping rates to fall quite substantially as the congestion um, decreases because the congestion is going to decrease because very simply people have bought more goods while COVID has been on as a way to comfort themselves and a substitute for the other experience in life that they have not been able to do. So would anybody, you know, like to pick up, you know, where does the container market go from here?
6: I'll jump in. Uh, uh, that's an interesting interesting question. And one that has been, uh, on, I think at the forefront of everyone looking at containers, really for the past, I'd say nine, 10 months. Uh, we came into this year with things already riding high and I think had already set records in terms of indices and freight rates. And the next question was, okay, in 2021, we should actually start to see a moderation as people get vaccinated, as people start to become more mobile. We've seen it with uh, travel uh, uh, business and all that. Um, But it hasn't yet actually led to any slowdown. And in fact, we've only seen an acceleration of consumer purchasing. And that's what's created now this even tighter logjam. I think the interesting thing is going to be how these next 12 months play out, because logically, more people are going to be traveling. I'm going to be traveling internationally for the first time next week. I know, Ben, you were and and, and, uh, and Randy and I'm sure others have on this panel have been traveling. And so that's accelerating and it'll be interesting to see how that then parlays into how we spend our money on, on, on finished products. But it, it, it's an interesting situation that clearly congestion has picked up. But I think what seems to always get lost at least in the discussion over the past several months has been, it's not congestion that's caused rates to be good it's demand that's caused the congestion and that's what's catapulted rates higher. And so you have this backdrop of very, very strong demand and liners for the first time in their history, as far as I can tell, um, are faced with a higher quality of earnings than they had before, where they're able to now negotiate freight contracts that normally would be 12 months at a time. Uh, they've now extended to 24 months and now we're seeing three-year contracts being entered into. So the liner industry as a sector overall is probably in the best position it's ever been in. Uh, earnings visibility and more so than that, the, the, the industry, within probably the next three to six months, is going to be debt free. And so there's a lot of wind that that sector's back um, as they look ahead, even if freight rates fall, there's just a lot of ammunition for these companies to, uh, you know, to continue to, to thrive.
3: Yeah. And to Omar's point, I think rates are certainly going to fall in the first quarter. They always do. Consumer spending slows and Chinese New Year. You have the Beijing Winter Olympics going to impact some of the factory production in China. Um, That said, when you look at just the underlying demand, people are still spending money on goods rather than services. That's going to slowly head back to services, but we're not going to get to pre-COVID levels anytime soon. Inventories remain very low at the retailers, so that's going to take some time to replenish. And the biggest thing is uh, clients I talk to just look at 2016 to 2019 and kind of call that a normal rate environment. Whereas in reality, that was like the worst four years in 20 years, right? So I don't think a market going down from here goes back to 2019 levels of less than $1,000 per TEU. Sure, it'll fall from whatever it is today, $4,000, $5,000, depending on the index you want to use, but it's not going back to 1000 So yes, rates will fall. It's kind of like saying, oh, Cape Size rates are going to fall from $85,000. Well, well, yeah, but they're not going back to 10 either. Um, so I, I think the scale uh, of the de- decline is important.
4: Yeah, I, I think we always, uh, in, in bull markets, we always think there's going to be a soft landing, and there never is. Um, uh, and I, I don't I don't know that, maybe this time will be different, famous last words, right? But uh, to the extent that the order book is going to be delivering about 10% gross fleet growth in 2023, and 2024 again. Um, yeah, that's that's just a lot of ships to absorb and uh, and and a lot of time for consumer demand to potentially normalize or infrastructure to be improved and intermodal to to work itself out. Uh, to me, again, I, I we, it, it's certainly possible that things could end up being sort of we just fall back to the median. But this is shipping, and the median is this ethereal place that we never really exist.
7: But I mean, uh, the beautiful part with uh, with uh, this industry is, of course, uh, the uh, earnings disability, because obviously now you're seeing feeders being fixed for, as you mentioned, three years in, in you know the mid 30s, and uh, if you look at uh, the companies and the earnings for the tonnage providers at, at those rates, then, then you would probably uh, be looking at multiples of two to three times. Uh, so I guess that uh, uh, MPC, for example, it could, could could probably be 30-35% yield uh, over the coming three years. Uh, if if they stick to their plan of of uh, locking in these uh, three year charters, uh, and that's probably the best visibility you have, uh, at least uh, bar you know long term LNG contracts. Do, do, they, I mean just... do they,
1: is is there is there a, sorry, is there um, you know we have had cases in dry and in containers though that, that when the market crashes, those contracts just aren't honoured. It's not quite the same historically as oil majors contract in tankers or in gas.
5: That's probably a good point, uh, but uh, I, I think I, I just wanted to, to to throw in there as well some numbers to the mix. I mean, if we if you try to track the the global congestion numbers at the moment for larger container vessels, I think. Uh, you're seeing up from a a long-term average of 13% of the fleet kept up in congestion, now standing at maybe 27, 28%. Uh, So I think once those numbers start to unravel, that's an extremely steep uh, effective supply growth that you're going to see just on the back of that. And I think the interesting news that came out of the US last, um, uh, last night, uh, with uh, with the Biden administration pushing for the entire supply chain to work together and eat through that overhang, uh, is something that might uh, kickstart that um, that normalization. Um, and uh, it it seems at least to us, if you look at the aggregate number of um, what sort of volumes are being moved in this space now versus where you were, perhaps all the way back to to 2018. Um, the growth on an, an annualized basis has been uh, quite low, uh, so we're we're just waiting for 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 all these inefficiencies to start to unwind, and then I guess um, we'll see where we end up. But um, I feel it's hard to hard to see the at least in the underlying numbers that um, a lot of that uh, fleet growth, especially the ones that's going to materialize from 2023 onward, um, has anywhere to go unless you think um, the volumes are are going to see substantial growth from here uh, on an aggregate
0: level
1: okay so let's move
5: to, uh to another
1: market that, f- that people are afraid of in terms of uh congestion which is dry what are our views on uh you know what are our views on dry everybody who would like to take that one up
5: i'd be happy to start um yeah I think the dry bulk market is looking extraordinarily good. Um, One thing uh, to to start where we are today, uh, you know, the the markets are seemingly very tight, the freight rates are very high. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying that that's something that's uh, going to consistently persist, but if you look at the underlying data and outlook for supply growth and just Normalized demand growth going from here, uh, considering what we've actually got in the in the order books today, uh, that market is uh, seemingly just going to be tighter and tighter in, in the coming years uh, ahead. Um, and then, um, then it comes a bit down to the short-term impacts, and then why we're seeing rates approaching, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a day for the cape size vessels. And I, I'd, uh, I'd agree that uh, some of that uh, is uh, the same inefficiency that you're actually seeing in, in containers in, ter- in terms of terms of congestion, um, and perhaps even some spillover volumes, which I think is an important uh, factor to follow, uh, on especially the smaller size vessels. But I don't know if any of the the other guys on the panel can can back me when I say that. Uh, I, I couldn't find any historical uh, upcycles where you've seen the similar tightness in the smaller uh, asset classes that really drive the larger ones. It's rather been the other way around. Uh, and I find that is a very interesting observation in the current strength of the market and could indicate that things are set to stay tight for still some time. Uh, I agree,
6: that. Sorry, Robert. Go for yeah. No, no, I go. was just going to. Yeah, I was just going to back up, Juergen. Exactly. I I feel like we've we've gone through so many reams of data trying to understand and see in the historical perspective across different shipping sectors. Has any market recovery ever been led by the smallest ships consistently? Uh, And no, that hasn't happened before uh, as far as we've been able to to see. Um, And so it's definitely been good to see the handies uh, drive uh, the the market during the first part of the year. um, And then obviously that strength our latest way to supermaxes on up to Panamax and now we've seen capes and what I find and I agree with Juergen's outlook on dry bulk that it it's interesting because over the past 20 years dry bulk and China have been synonymous and for really most of this year there's been a lot of inconsistency from, from the Chinese steel markets and uh, their buying activities uh, across various commodities and, and, and they've tried to control and rein in uh, spending but it's, it's I, I, And we mentioned this, Robert, on our panel a couple of days ago, that pretty much ever since the Chinese took a step back from the steel market this past June, July, that's when the Cape market actually took off. Uh, and so there's a lot more players, a lot more countries involved in the dry bulk trade um, that have an effect that hasn't been there before. And I think that's what's exciting for the sector is that it's no longer, at least for now, is not tied at the hip to China. There's more players involved and in, in, in various commodities being moved in, in big numbers.
2: What would yeah, you guys like more to with... go, ahead.
6: go on, please? Please,
2: no, no, I couldn't agree more with, with Omar. Uh, I think it's just as far as the stocks, you know, I think a lot of investors are looking at these names up 200% uh, this year, and uh, a lot of headlines coming out of China making, you know, for the story, maybe a little concern near term, but. I think people need to look at the supply growth. And I think once we see a more normalized demand side, I mean, if, if you compare 2020 and 2021, demand's been all over the place. Um, and I think uh, once we start seeing demand coming in over supply growth, I think we to have some good growth going forward and uh, we don't see a lot of ordering activity. So I think that's a good positive underlying support for the sector.
1: What do we want to see from um, our So containers and dry are both like, uh, you know, crashing cash out like crazy at the moment. Uh, Many of you still believe that containers and dry stocks are uh, trading below net asset value. Um, What do you think these guys should be doing with this cash? You pointed out how strong some of their balance sheets are in a couple of months, they're gonna be really strong at these levels. Are they gonna, should they be paying dividends out, buying stock back? ordering new ships, well, what would you guys like to see?
3: Yeah, I think a, a lot of them are doing what we'd like to see, right? Paying down debt, uh, getting that to a very manageable level despite uh, market volatility and the seasonality that we see and then having a dividend um, in place, either be it a, a variable dividend based on cash flow or earnings, um, what have you. So ideally you'd like to see some share buybacks and a few companies have kind of instituted some of those authorizations especially when you're trading at steep discounts to NAV, But in reality, if you get your net debt down to 20%, and if you're paying out pretty solid dividends really throughout the cycle, um, that should give you a premium valuation. So I think the, that strategy is likely going to pay off. It won't happen in the next few weeks, right? That takes time. That takes quarters of uh, relatively stable earnings to really come to fruition. But that policy uh, is pretty attractive.
4: I'm Do starting you- to have a change of heart on dividends. Honestly, I think you look at it and say, "Well, the stocks, as you said, Robert, generally are trading below NAV." Feels like the the equity markets are uh, not as ready to chase uh, chase equities above those NAVs, and ultimately, if that means that um, companies are prohibited or it would be really expensive for them to raise equity capital. Well, then maybe you should retain those earnings because the best way to make money in a shipping business is to buy when nobody wants to buy, but you have to have money to do that. Um, and uh, so it might mean that you traded a little discount to your high dividend paying counterparts when things are good, but uh, it might also mean that you can eat their lunch when things are bad. Um, so I'm kind of coming around thinking of it a little bit differently maybe than I have in the
1: past. We're also seeing, uh, there's another thing you could do is diversify, right? I mean, we've seen uh, on the private side, some of the uh, private Owners, the, you know some of the Greek ship owners. We've seen Norden as a as a public company who have had very strong dry container positions in the last weeks. Uh, and I, you know, and I know for a fact, you know, looking out at some of the few modern product tankers that are out there for sale, they've started to buy product tankers and started to buy tankers. You know, we've even seen. You know, one public company, you know, I don't know for different reasons. I mean, I haven't really studied the company very well, but, you know, Navios effectively bought product tankers when they, when they did their merger and effectively diversified. Do we see any, do we see diversification with that cash through acquisition of markets that are still fairly weak with, Perhaps the demand cycle still to come as a good policy for the public companies.
4: Robert, you know. We all
6: well, want to jump in on it. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. one thing,
4: the one thing that no investor I don't think has ever told me is tell me the right shipping company to buy for the next five to 10 years. That's not what people are interested in doing, and I think if you're a private owner, you care about the next five to 10 years, and so maybe diversifying makes some sense. But, uh, but that is not how the world thinks about the equities.
6: But Ben, uh, ben but I, you you've said that before, and I completely agree with you that that's the 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 current investor base, which is primarily hedge funds. Yeah, there have been a few mutual funds that have stepped in uh, recently. but for the most part, it's hedge funds. And hedge funds are obviously very short-term focused. And and as you mentioned in your prior comments about dividends, there hasn't been any benefit really to, to, to having a policy paying out a meaningful dividend. Now that benefit existed the last bull cycle um, where you got big premiums to NAV, but since then it hasn't worked. But I, I think you could actually perhaps change the investor base over time because you have the mutual fund and long-only landscape that's basically almost ten times as big in terms of capital availability than hedge funds. Uh, but so far, shipping companies have modeled themselves to be very, uh, you know, spot either spot-centric or just live and die by the cycle. If you're able to diversify and you're able to live through all the cycles and 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 capture market strength in the upturn and be able to invest in the downturn, you could then attract a whole wildly new investor community that. Currently doesn't exist, but could be there. I mean, that, that the capital that's there wants to invest in that type of strategy, a strategy where they don't have to worry about rates falling tomorrow because they know management is deploying capital wisely, deploying you know commercially everything wisely. But you know, it, I feel like there's there's a huge unlocked source of capital that the shipping industry at the moment isn't touching uh, because of that lack of diversification. Yeah, back back in the
2: 1800s when I first start covering the sector, then uh, you know there were no public companies. So you saw this experiment starting in 2000. I mean, there was a couple of companies public before then, but everybody was pure play on something. And there was crude and then it was dry bulk. And, uh, you know, and uh, I think what history has shown is that you need more legs to stand on. And uh, in, in order to deal with the cyclicality of the best of the shipping business. So some. Some of the successful private families, you know, have diversified businesses. So I don't think that model has been given much thought by Wall Street. And I think, uh, you know, in order to get, like Omar said, get some more long-term money into the sector, you need to extend the cycle and maybe reduce the volatility.
3: Yeah. And it's all on the investor base you're after. As as Ben was saying, if you want, I want the double stock then you want a very pure play, highly leveraged stock. If you want long-term, I want to buy it and not worry about it for five years, you want a diversified stock that is ideally paying a pretty substantial dividend. So it really all depends on the strategy and and the investor pool that you're after. I
4: I think it comes down to the assets. I think the reality is these are commoditized assets with zero barriers to entry that will always, always lend itself to cyclicality. And cyclical investors don't like conglomerates period um and in in this or any other sector they look at, at truckload for instance it's come and go has been for decades all right so let's uh let's turn to
1: some a, another sector here one of the you know what i've noticed with uh Nick's uh, conferences, the Capital Link conferences, it really, really has an ability to call the bottom on companies. Because so many times I've come to Capital Link and whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the dry market that's in a mess or the container market's in a mess and now the tanker market, everyone's waiting for it to get better. The, the sector that is not hot becomes very hot by the time we have one more year, right? So next year, and what's not hot right now, it seems from everything is is tankers. Yet, you know, in the last couple of days, you know, arguably the biggest dog that's ever been in tankers, John Fredrickson has barked and he's gone in with his own money. Thank you. Whack takes 10.5% of a, of a big company and puts that marker down and says, I think tankers are going to be hot. So what do we think about that, guys? What do we, who's going to go against John Frederiksen here? Come on, let's one of you two Norwegians put your life at risk. <laughs> so so, so, so we'll, let one, we'll let you two Norwegians comment on Mr. Frederiksen.
7: Yeah, and, Lord um, of the
1: seas move I'm, I'm, here,
7: okay? I'm, I'm certainly not gonna go against him because obviously if you look at the market, it, it, it looks like uh, you know a uh, pretty perfect setup for a steep recovery here over the coming 12 months, as you say, uh, well, it's, it's similar to dry book in the sense that uh, supply growth looks very, very manageable. Um, and also on the demand side, obviously, uh, the demand for oil has recovered uh, quicker than uh, the supply side, but the supply side seems to uh, start to move now. Uh, obviously, we didn't see any extraordinary uh, production hike from OPEC uh, in uh, November, Um, But it will come at some point. And I mean, uh, earlier this week, the EIA put out a massive 5.7 million barrel supply growth number for 2022. And I think it's quite fair to assume that uh, a lot of that will uh, be seaborne uh, demand. So uh, I think uh, that the demand side has probably bottomed out and it's, it's probably just a matter of time before uh, owners uh, start pushing up rates uh, higher and higher and, and at some point they will get uh, the upper hand here. That's I great. truly,
5: I truly hope that the, the rates are going to get better, considering where they are. And I think we're all in agreement that that's uh, probably the way things are headed. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. Come on, come on. he's not
2: going <laughs> to.
1: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Frederick is yeah, yeah. not going to know what you say. Okay, this what you say <laughs> to us here remains private. Just amongst yeah, us. Good, okay good to know. Good to know, Robert. So. so uh, so, I so think I, is my, it, is it my, the right decision or the wrong decision.
5: Um, I think, if, if from his perspective, I think the there are several stocks. If you if you look at how they're priced on a relative basis, you can make the argument that uh, you're now definitely screens attractive. It has the same kinds of assets, and they're very well familiar with how they're operated through. Uh, what they've done together in the tanker's international pool before, so that doesn't really uh, surprise me that you see an opportunity uh, at some level, Uh, but uh, considering where we believe uh, the investor focuses, and I think it's um, I, i'm not sure i agree uh, with the um with what uh, what you started the question with uh, robert in terms of the interest and where that lies between the different sectors i definitely feel there's a lot of interest in tankers um so despite the market being out of uh, being at very depressed levels i do feel that the investor sentiment has been quite uh, quite supportive at times uh, considering that the the benchmark freight rate for VLCC jumped from negative five to, to plus five and all of a sudden you were you were back at uh, sort of uh, uh, high valuations again um, and uh, that's where I feel there's somewhat of a disconnect I'm quite a simple guy in in many ways uh, I see that the fleet has grown by six percent and the bull cases that volumes are going to get back to 2019 levels um, and I don't really make out where the difference of supply is going to be taken out in the near Great. term. But it has, um, when you look further down the road, I I agree, there's a structural uh, supply that seems to be aging and should be taken out at the point in time. But all the data points that we've seen so far point to an interest to keep a lot of these older vessels in the fleet still. And that's what we're struggling with. And that's where we need to see something happen, I think. Uh, And if the winter does disappoint and all of a sudden things weren't as strong this winter as you first thought, maybe that's what we need. I, I, we, I, appreciate, I, I, we appreciate.
1: We uh, appreciate just as quickly. If I mean, we really do appreciate that, Jürgen. And, and look, if you need to seek asylum here in New York, I'm sure that Nicholas can arrange it. Okay.
7: So. Yeah, and, and Lars? It, it, as 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 you pointed out, Jürgen, it's it's a bit baffling because if you look at uh, at this tanker market we've had this year, it's it's been even worse than. Uh, 2018 right uh then obviously uh, rates uh, rocketed in in q4 so far that hasn't happened and and um, and i mean but 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 obviously what's been going on 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 asset values have uh, kept shares higher this time around so generally valuation has been better now than it was in in 2018. Um, and we've had a few false rallies, uh, one before the summer, and and uh, yeah. So 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 I, I I have been a bit baffled by uh, how well the shares have actually performed, given how poor the market uh, has been, the underlying market.
1: Anybody, anybody got an explanation as to why the shares have performed in inverted commas so well?
2: I really likes to make a contrarian bet I think that's how you make money in shipping and I think you've seen some of those those investors coming into the market but uh, I mean asset values are up about twenty percent so for tankers this year and we're seeing like we're just struggling along with the uh, with with the spot rates at uh, cash negative cash break even so um, You know, if if the rates don't improve this winter, I think a lot of, I mean, some of these investors are already left, but uh, we really need to see a recovery for people to, or investors to, to stick to these things.
4: I think that's right. I, I think, uh, there are some people who maybe were early investors in dry bulk or containers and have done really well. And then there's some other people that are kicking themselves for not having done so and are very eager to not miss that next cycle. So, um, That's why we see the level of interest and and the equities having been supported to the extent that they have been, I think.
3: Yeah, and I think people are just thinking to themselves is there going to be more airline traffic next year than there is now, or less, right? So, ton mile demand is going to grow uh, for tankers. OPEC's going to produce more next year than currently. People are going to be driving and flying again. Uh, Refinery throughput is going to be increasing. Uh, supply growth isn't massive. So all that being said, yeah, 22, it's certainly going to be better than 21. Um, So I think people are just getting ahead of that. Okay, so natural gas. I mean,
1: these rates have like skyrocketed. I mean, it is all over just general daily news, you know, breakfast programs and things like this, that natural gas prices have rocketed that there's this huge arbitrage between the United States and, and Europe and Asia. And, um, and companies seem to be coming out with, you know, good sort of guidance on different things like Gola, for example, came out with guidance to profit shares or um, things that matter to them because they're getting benefit of the, not just the rate being higher, but the price being higher yet. The, the stocks themselves don't seem to have had any kind of real response to that any Robert, a, yeah, anyone yeah. have any thoughts on that i mean it seems extraordinary to me we, we're so programmed to rates go up stocks go up rates go down stocks go down and in gas it's like rates hit the roof and nothing happens
4: I think uh, Flex Lng might would argue with you on the uh, stocks not having done anything. OK,
1: what have they done in the last three, you know, two, three weeks? OK. So it's a relative. Okay, relative fair to enough. to
4: point. Not in you know. the last two, three weeks.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think part of it is everyone knows LNG rates are seasonally stronger from October to January. So I don't think anyone's surprised that, oh, LNG rates are going higher. That said, the, the equities certainly have not matched uh, the LNG prices or LNG rates. I just got done hosting the LNG panel, um, and we talked at length about that and how with higher LNG prices come more geographical arbitrage trades. There are very few, if any, real spot availability uh, vessels out there. Flex has a couple, um, but Golar, for example, just signed away their last LNG carrier through at least March of 22, so they have no exposure on the spot side. So part of it is that, you know, although rates are going to continue to climb, how much exposure do some of these public equities have to those rates? Um, so we'll see, but obviously LNG prices are very robust and they will stay that way for at least the next few months. Great. Anybody like to uh,
1: chip in, talk about something else on your mind?
6: Uh, you know what, Robert, I will, I will throw this out. Uh, I guess it's funny, it's, it's been a year, but a year ago on this panel, I, I feel like it was Capital Link of last year, uh, Hugh Crooks was moderating from, from Ridgebury, and he actually was asking about LNG. And at the time LNG was, was sort of, you know, that left for dead, I guess, as the transition fuel even. Um, and he was asking if we had dialed back our growth expectations for, for overall LNG growth and natural gas uh, growth. And, and here we are a year later, and it's the exact opposite type of conversation. So a lot can change and we know that, right? It's shipping and, and we're in the middle of it and things can change tomorrow, but it just it's quite interesting that a year ago in this, uh, at this panel, we were lamenting the demise of LNG and here we are uh, in 21 uh, talking about how, how there isn't enough and there's massive price dislocations. And, and look, private equity came in here earlier in the year and just started taking these companies private um they saw uh, a cash machine potential over the long term and so you know part of the reason why the equities haven't performed well is not that many exist anymore Robert uh we we, we've lost several of them into private hands
5: those that do have 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 still have still made made quite uh, quite an improvement at least from the levels you had last summer and I remember I completely agree with you Omar that uh I remember speaking to investors back in September uh, October of last year uh, and there was little faith that uh, gas seemed to be part of the solution. and I think that's completely flipped around now um, and, uh, and and that's uh, that's a good indicator I think for 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 what may come in this space, not only on the Uh, LNG carrier side, but also some of the names that uh, work on the the upstream and and infrastructure side to to get LNG to market, and that's also part of the the question here, how do you do that in an effective manner uh, in a short period of time in order to cater to this demand that uh, probably is set to, to stick around for still some time, and if you continue to see this growth coming, then I guess this kind of gas price and, and energy environment might not be uh, that unusual perhaps uh, going forward seeing as uh, how things uh, how things develop so especially on the uh, we, we mentioned dollar and i mean the the fng business um, at the moment with this backdrop that you're seeing um, makes uh, quite a compelling case uh, i like to highlight in terms of time to market and, and economics uh, at the moment so and this is just uh, perhaps just uh, yeah a, a look into what may be um, a larger part of, of the future in terms of energy prices uh, going forward. Um, and that's an interesting aspect.
1: So if we look into, say something to try and sort of do a few fun things here. So let's say we're looking into the future at some point I don't know whether it's going to be 2030, 33, 34, you know, we're going to have renewables starting contributing properly to the energy, et cetera. You know, maybe we're reaching, you know, peak oil tonne miles or product tanker tonne miles on that time, you know, already, you know, we haven't even started recovery. You can't get mo- you can't read. Really- there are not many product tanker birds or crude birds that are open even in 24, we're starting to get to 25. Well, you know, if it takes a little while for the market to recover and we get to births not open until 26, then is there actually any point in anybody ordering a new tanker for delivery 26 where it may only have five years in premium markets before the demand sort of goes down or six years?
6: Yeah, I think so, Robert. I think you you, you should, I, I would, you know, you mentioned we're in the 2030s and renewables have, you know, taken a bigger slug and, and maybe tankers or oil has peaked. I would point out though, that a lot of that, you know, those forecasts and projections are probably outdated at this point. Uh, we're in a, in a period where everything is just thrown up and we're just trying to figure out now what's the way forward. This massive energy crisis with prices through the roof, I, really, I think is really going to reset uh, the thought process. Uh, it's still early. Um, but you, you still have the green transition is is still full on. But is the capital going to be there for that? Yeah, right now, that that capital has been it it, it, it requires time, and you you need a, a series of years to pass before you can actually start to see a return. But right now, you're compelled if you're providing capital to to invest something closer to where you're going to get a return today, uh, and that's what's being offered today across the different commodities, and so. I think it's going to, for us to be able to truly answer that, Robert, I think these next two years are going to be very interesting to see where does the capital flow? Does it continue going into renewables or is it going to start to come back towards the the, the conventional? Um, And and so, yeah, there's still a big question mark on that, but I would also, about ordering a tanker in 26, I mean, you do have still a very old fleet at at the end of the day when we get to that point. Uh, I think today looking at tankers I wanna say a third of the, of the crude fleet or probably the overall fleet is 15 years or, or older. And so a third, isn't gonna just go away in, in five years time, we're gonna to need to replace that. So you should continue to order.
7: Okay. And, and, and I think, think also it's, it's probably worth noting that, okay, uh, even if oil demand might peak uh, it's a peak, it's, it's not the complete uh, fallout, right? So there will still be demand for oil. Uh, I think that uh, it's fair to assume that the first sort of uh, leg for the supply side of the oil to adjust would be uh, probably um, OECD countries and, and not necessarily the uh, oil exporting countries. And I think that's a key as well. Uh, So, uh, the last man standing here will probably be Saudi Arabia, right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Magnus, what's on your mind?
2: We're going to commit to stock picking. You only have five minutes left.
1: (laughs) Whatever you you want to do, stock picking, guys? We can do stock picking (laughs) you want we do whatever you want it's if, if you if you're the only one who wants to do stock picking that's a fake, okay with my magnus so we you go first so and that, we aren't, we having sure. in,
2: aren't we having some investors on this call that are trying to figure out what to do out of this you know so they should go home with something to think about sure go for it oh you're asking me <laughs> yeah yeah so okay one stock per person i guess so i just got to mention one uh, it's uh, International Seaways, INSW, uh, you know, it's a diversified plate on the crude and product tanker market recovery. Uh, the merger with DSSI is highly accretive. Uh, I don't think investors realize how accretive it is to bottom line, but uh, we look at 45% accretion. And then finally, the valuation looks really cheap, 45% discount to nav and it's trading like at a two times uh, EV EBITDA next year. So. We like the name and I think it will be re-rated when you compare them to the closest peers uh, like Frontline, Euronav and, uh, and DHT.
1: Great, let's go for uh, Randy. Randy, you next. I'll tell you what, you, you you can go for two, okay? So I'll come back uh, to uh... your second one, Matt. I can, it's a bit tough just going for one, you know. You're, you're, yeah. you're put too much pressure on your investment banking groups. So. Give me <laughs> two here. Uh,
3: Magnus Magnus stole one of mine, so I'm actually going to get so, three. Well yeah, you're going to get i I'll go with the GLNG, uh, Golar, we talked about all the reasons why, LNG shipping, FLNG, um, the LNG carrier spin. They just did all the refinancing, the converter finally taken care of. Um, and then... Uh, I would say a, a dry bulk entity with a large dividend payout policy and cape size spot exposure. Jenko, Um, those are my picks. That's fantastic. You managed to get four at least there. That's brilliant, Randy. You
1: Excellent job. Uh, OK, Lars, you go next.
7: Yeah, and I think um, I think I already kind of mentioned it, but, but I think that, uh, you know, durations that uh, you will see mpc fixing over the coming months and quarters and at those rates that they will actually achieve on those uh, those fixtures will be simply too compelling from from a cash yield perspective so two to three times earnings uh, for the coming uh, two to three years and dividend yields of uh, 30, 35%. I think, I think that's, that's very attractive.
1: Thank you very much, Jürgen
5: yeah i'll 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 stick to one uh, because i also agree with randy so but i'd throw gold motion into the mix with the the capes as exposure on dribble but if if i were to pick something else then uh, a bit uh, a bit out of the ordinary perhaps but i you've seen what's been going on in the container space um, and i just very much like to highlight what's been going on in the car carrier space as well if you look at the inventory levels that are set to drive this cycle extension uh, in the container space uh to to me that seems a bit weird because if you adjust for the auto sector in the us uh, that's uh, it seems to us that the inventory is actually quite high which is uh, uh, a bit mind-boggling but if you do the same exercise for just auto volumes in the us they're completely bombed out it's probably the one sector where you're looking at uh, Maybe years to replenish the inventories that you need. Uh, in a, you know, looking forward. So, in terms of uh, the um, the chip shortage becoming an item of the past uh, and that uh, clog getting out of the way, uh, I think the volumes in that space are set to pick up considerably. And you've already seen the time chart market start to replicate what we saw in in the container space. And there, you do not have any order book, and the fleet is. Uh, is on average about 14 years. So I think that space is just looking magnificent going forward.
1: Great. And um,
4: Ben and Oma. I like that. Uh, I like that car car carrier idea. Um, I'll be counter cyclical, I'll, I'll go with uh, Navigator Gas. Uh, in, in keeping with what Omar was saying earlier a year ago at this time, people said LNG is just going to be awful. And here we are just sort of scratching our heads saying, boy, I didn't see that coming. Um, people are worried a little bit about the LPG order book, but uh, guess what? If oil prices stay where we are, uh, that rig count is going higher every single week. And that means that U.S. oil and gas is going to be at a competitive advantage relative to anywhere else in the world and in every single well they're drilling they're getting ngls and that has to be exported somehow or another so uh i i think you know looking for things that have been sort of overlooked and unloved that's probably where i'd i'd uh, you know focus for
6: kind of a a, a dark horse idea great oma yeah yeah thanks uh Robert, two days ago, I mentioned GLNG, but Randy took that. Um, but I would uh, I, I would highlight Zim. I know it's been the uh, stock has performed extremely well, but the company Trey, I'm just looking at my screen. The stock is at forty three dollars, and it's probably with, with a decent amount of certainty going to at least earn thirty dollars of EPS this year. And I think most people believe that that's it. And we're done. And now we kind of go into a moderate uh, outlook, but there's an increasing chance that 2022 could end up being just the same as 21 with companies entering into, into freight contract. So I, I, I think Zim is, is definitely worth a shot, especially as they intend to pay out a big dividend early next year with, uh, with this year's earnings.
1: Okay. I'm just going to do something just for super fun here. So give me one thing that you think, uh crazy however crazy it could 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 be that should be on every public board's list of you know what crazy things could happen that will either be good or bad and we'll start with um we'll start with you arma <laughs> okay anything totally unexpected that could be good or bad it doesn't matter
6: you know, Robert, maybe it's sort of the, the this is the question that I heard. And I'm going to answer this uh, from what I believe I heard yeah. you ask. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing on we haven't talked about this in seems seemingly years now, but it's the quote unquote shadow fleet uh, that has tended to be talked about whenever times are good that you have the shadow fleet that emerges where be, uh, companies speed up uh, vessels. Um, I've been surprised that we actually haven't seen any of that. Uh, If you look at the container fleet from worst of the pandemic to where we are today, uh, the fleet's gone up by maybe half a knot in speed. Uh, Dry bulk vessels from the same thing, from zero to where we are today, have gone up maybe also half a knot. Uh, LNG, LPG, vessel speeds aren't increasing. And maybe part of that is you're just gonna create more congestion, but I don't think that's just it. and so. I feel we're in the situation now where vessel speeds may not actually ever speed up again to levels that we think um, they could get to in a very bull market, and so I just Great. find that interesting. Perfect. from extreme. Randy,
3: Randy, um, I, I was going to say there was going to be a global speed limit imposed, but um, taking that off the table, um, there will be a a dynamic weather event in France that really changes uh, the trajectory of lng imports into southwest europe over the next year and a half to two years okay that that's, that's fine that's good
1: uh lars
7: well i think uh one possible consequence of, of what we've seen uh, over the past uh, year is, is obviously a super, super uh, restocking cycle in, uh, across all uh, commodities and goods. Uh, I mean, uh, countries and consumers and everyone they would like to avoid ending up in the same situation again. Uh, So I think uh, ship owners should be ready for that.
1: Great. Uh,
5: Jürgen? Yes. I'd go for a nutty professor in some shed, uh, finding a way to cheaply make e-fuels, liquid e-fuels that make tankers the thing of the future and and not the past. I think that would be perhaps uh, the most interesting thing that could happen, uh, because that's not in our estimates, at least.
1: Not for any, not for any self-interest. I really like that
4: idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh uh ben uh i'm gonna say we're gonna we're gonna see some mega mergers and some of the companies that we see today maybe one of the companies we see today could be a a 500 vessel fleet uh
3: with a 10 billion dollar market cap is is that why Fredrickson's buying your own app shares he's real tight with john i think (laughs)
1: <laughs> i think we lay off these guys they put they put they put their lives at risk earlier okay that's enough for that it's a uh, magnus you get the last word okay
2: all oh, right a second great. last
1: word so i gonna sum up
2: all right well you know all the companies been extremely busy over the last two years with adding esg committees to their boards and I see a trend over the next year that will be another committee added uh, with starting with the E as well and ECC committee, energy crisis committee, which should be good for tankers.
1: All right. Thank you everybody. That's it's uh, hopefully the audience is, uh, has enjoyed it. I think that's been really, you know, thought provoking and, and very good and Nicholas, once again, thank you for everything that you've
0: been doing for us all in the industry and appreciate it very much. Robert, my thanks go to you and uh, to all of you guys for uh, actually you're the ones uh, really driving the industry. And I'm gratified to have the opportunity to work with you and also to enjoy your friendship and support uh, for which I'm very grateful. This was a great discussion I have to say, always very spirited and you know, always very insightful. I, I felt like uh, coming in a couple of times to give my opinions, but then I, uh, you know, I, I stayed on the sidelines that I should be as the organizer. So, uh, but thank you very much to all of you. It's been really terrific. And uh, actually, when I look back at these three days, it is amazing that we were able to put together such high caliber panels throughout the industry, all the topics, uh, great attendance. So wonderful way to to end uh, the forum thank you robert uh thank you ben lars jorgen omar randy and and magnus yeah thank you necklace
1: thank you Thanks. thanks guys thanks